Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to our 2022 ACB Conference and Convention and our annual business meeting. I call Wednesday, July 6th session to order. And now I would like to introduce for our Pledge of Allegiance our two DKM first-timers for this year. From the east of the Mississippi River, we have Greg Juan Snyder from Waukesha, Wisconsin. And from west of the Mississippi, we have Joe Green from Sacramento, California. Greg and Joe. I, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good job. Thank you. Fantastic job, Greg and, and Joe, and thank you so much. And now we're going to move on with our sponsors quickly. The American Council of the Blind would like to thank our 2022 conference and convention sponsors. Their continued support is sincerely appreciated. Diamond Sponsors. Vanda Pharmaceuticals, J.P. Morgan Chase, Comcast, Microsoft, Meta, Vispero, Emerald Sponsors, Amazon, MGM Resorts, Verizon, Walmart, Spectrum, Johnson & Johnson, Ruby Sponsors, AT&T, Google, Waymo, Cruise, Adobe, NCTA, the Internet and Television Association, Onyx Sponsors, Mobile Voting, an initiative of Tusk Philanthropies, American Printing House, Election Systems and Software, Democracy Live, Topaz Sponsors, ACB Lions, Pearl Sponsors, Library Users of America. All right, um, at this point in time, I believe, uh, can, we, uh, can we hear from Walmart? Hello, ACB. I'm Russell Schaefer, Senior Director of Global Culture, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Walmart, and I'm so glad to join you for the 2022 ACB convention. Uh, Walmart is so glad to be a sponsor and in keeping with the theme of this year's convention of here, there, and everywhere, uh, we are joining you virtually today from Northwest Arkansas. I have two amazing Walmart leaders joining me today for a fireside chat. I have Dr. Andre Lenore, who is our Senior Director of Optometrist Relations, and Rachel Griffin, who is Director of Last Mile Innovations. Uh, and we'll be talking to each of them a little bit about their business and how it's supporting the blind and low vision community here in just a moment. Uh, but it really is great to be back with you all uh, for the ACB convention as a sponsor, albeit virtually this year. Uh, the past two years have been a challenge for all of us and, um, you know, especially those uh, in the blindness and low vision community. Now, for, for me, myself, as somebody who uh, lost my vision progressively, uh, the, the pandemic uh, caused a whole host of challenges 
around transportation and other things, things that uh, Rachel will touch on in, in her remarks in a moment when it comes to um, online grocery and, and shopping and things of that nature, uh, but also just the ability to be active and be moving. And I think, uh, you know, that's one of the things that Walmart is really proud not only to sponsor this year's ACB convention, uh, but to be a sponsor of the ACB Get Up and Get Moving campaign. Um, the pandemic was tough on everyone. I think it's especially uh, been tough on people with disabilities in a, in a multitude of ways. Uh, and I think one of the things that we really loved about what ACB was doing with Get Up and Get Moving was uh, putting a real focus on well-being and physical activity and, and developing strategies and ways in which uh, we can do exactly what the campaign says, get up and get moving, and, and really focus on our whole health uh, and, and being active and, and, and focused on our well-being, especially coming out of this pandemic where uh, so many people were isolated and didn't have some of the same opportunities for physical activity that we did uh, in a pre-pandemic world. So uh, a big shout out and a thank you to Eric Bridges and the entire team at ACB uh, for your leadership and your commitment to wellness and health and uh, overall um, physical well-being uh, and for the opportunity for Walmart to be a participant in that. So uh, as we get started today, uh, Dr. Lenore, I'd love to start with you. Uh, as I said, you are our Senior Di Director of Optometrist Relations, and you actually um, came into that role um, through your own personal background as an independent optometrist. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your personal background as an optometrist and how that led you to the role you have with Walmart today? Yeah, absolutely, um, and thanks for that, and thanks for having me today. Um, first and foremost, um, what led me to optometry? Probably started when I was in college. I had a chance to actually shadow an internship with several different type of doctors, one being an optometrist, cardiologist, and a primary care specialist as well, too. And optometry, optometry kind of led me uh, to that direction to just to help people. I followed and I shadowed one optometrist, and he loved his career. Um, it was flexible. He worked a nine to five. Patients loved him. And he made a great impact on the community as well, too. So um, after that internship, I actually went into optometry school. And then my first job was actually with Walmart um, in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I was with Walmart for almost 18 years. I grew that practice and it allowed me the flexibility um, to practice the way that I wanted to. And, that, and also to help um, my local community as well, too. That help actually led me to different countries as well, too, in which I partnered with Bosch, our volunteer organization, Service to Humanity, in which we would actually service individuals in different countries as well, too. So um, that's sort of my background. Thanks for sharing that, Dr. Lenore. Uh, so you certainly have firsthand experience, um, you know, and you know uh, exactly the role that optometrists can play in um, the, the journey and the experience for people who are losing their vision, um, you know, and the role that Walmart can play in having uh, vision centers in our most of our stores all across the country. So can you talk to us a little bit more about uh, how you see Walmart being well positioned to play a pivotal role locally uh, to support our customers uh, from a vision center and optometry perspective, but also beyond that from a broader health and wellness and access perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the beautiful things about the optometrists within the Walmart community is that we're located across the country. We have close to 
2,000 active optometrists within um, the Walmart locations, both independent optometrists and those employed by uh, Walmart as well, too. So with the footprint of Walmart, um, the access to care is just tremendous, um, the ability. Not only that, we're local, where it's, it's able, where patients are able to make an examination uh, quickly. Uh, in addition to that, most of the optometrists take the insurances uh, of the community as well, too. So uh, once again, just the access to care is, is one of the big driving forces. Outside of that, we also have Walmart Health. And with Walmart Health, it's just a holistic way um, to actually bring in the patient, again, access to care, not only through optometry, but actually through dental, through, through medical, and through um, behavioral health as well, too. So uh, we're able to touch the patient in more ways than one. That's great. And, and one of the ways in which we're helping from a, from a pharmacy perspective, Dr. Lamar, which uh, some of our ACB members might be familiar with, is our Script Talk service. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Walmart and Sam's Clubs, they've been helping customers and members save money, live better, and are deeply committed to the accessibility and medica- medication safety for all their healthcare patients. Uh, I believe since 2012, Walmart and Sam's Club have made Script Talk Audible prescription labels available at the pharmacies across the nation for patients who are blind, low vision, and print impaired as well. Upon a patient's request for audible prescription labels, the Walmart or Sam's Club pharmacy used by the patient will, will provide script talk labels to the patient at no charge without lengthy, without lengthy delays. Currently, script talk technology developed by Envision America is available at almost 1,200 Walmart and Sam's Club pharmacies, pharmacies, with more than 750 pharmacies added over the past three years and 25 new Walmart and Sam's Club pharmacies being added each month. In addition, Envision America is a leader in pharmacy accessibility for blind, low vision, and print-impaired patients. For more than 20 years, currently serving more than 20,000 people. Walmart and Sam Clubs are proud to partner with them to provide the services to customers. In providing script talk labels, the pharmacy places a label on the bottom of the patient's prescription bottle. The patient then places the bottle on a small battery operated device called script talk station. Script talk station then reads the prescription information out loud to the patient, including the name, prescription number, drug name, dosage, use instructions, warnings, educational leaflets, and pharmacy information as well. That's great. Thank you, Dr. Lenore. Um, And the Script Talk technology, uh, for those who haven't experienced it before, really is fantastic. Uh, If you haven't stopped by the Envision America booth at the convention yet, I'd encourage you to do so. Uh, They're there demonstrating Script Talk. And as Dr. Lenore talked about some of Walmart's uh, health and wellness uh, services, uh, you can also check out a Walmart Health and Wellness uh, activation uh, today on July 6th at the convention uh, where Walmart uh, associates are providing a variety of health and wellness screenings. So uh, please do check that out if you haven't already. Uh, so Rachel, um, we'll pivot to you now. Um, and Dr. Lenore did such a fantastic job talking about some of the great health and wellness things that are taking place at Walmart. But I want to um, take our focus a little bit broader to other parts of the box, as we call it, and to focus on other aspects of our business. Um, you know, 
as I shared before, your title is Director of Last Mile Innovations. Can you tell us a little bit about what we mean about last mile? And as I talked about before, the challenges that the pandemic created uh, for everyone, but particularly the blind and low business community, low vision community, um, how does last mile um, really fit into uh, supporting some of those uh, challenges that the pandemic uh, created? So my, um, my title, like you mentioned, is innovation, but there's really been a ton of innovation at Last Mile. The company has rolled out in-home delivery where associates come into your home and actually load your fridge for you. We've rolled out express delivery, which was propelled by the pandemic, where we deliver to your house within two hours or less. And my piece of that is actually using technology and automation to add additional benefits to Walmart's portfolio. And so what I work on is autonomous vehicles, drones, electric vehicles, and autonomous sidewalk bots. Thank Rachel. Some really cool stuff. Um, is there a little bit more you can share about some of those um, breakthrough innovations that you're working on and, you know, a little bit around uh, how we're thinking about accessibility as a part of that? For sure. So we've been working um, with autonomous vehicles to do deliveries with. So we've partnered with Cruise in Phoenix, Arizona. We announced a partnership with Argo and Ford in three different markets in Miami, D.C., in Austin. And we're looking at this space as really an opportunity to provide accessibility options to our customers. And so for us, it's about the breadth of assortment that we can give to customers at a reasonable cost and make sure that everyone has access to order whatever it is they want whenever they want it. The other piece that we work on is drones that I mentioned. One of the companies that we work with, a company called Zipline, we've uh, been partnering with them in Pea Ridge, Arkansas, and they started in Africa moving blood supplies and medicine in the country. And they can actually go about 50 miles or the range of the state of Connecticut. And so from our Pea Ridge site, they could go all the way up to Springfield, Missouri, or all the way down to Fort Smith, Arkansas. And what's really interesting about them and really any of the other drone companies that we work with, also DroneUp, which we're going to be rolling out to 31 sites this year, is how we could use that technology to open up RX and pharmacy items for our customers as well. So you can imagine a future where you're interacting with your, your physician via telemedicine, and then your prescription or RX could be dropped to you via one of these other technologies. That's amazing, Rachel. You know, and I think, you know, for the, for the blind and low vision community, um, you know, something I know firsthand from my own experience, um, transportation constraints can be, um, you know, difficult barriers to overcome. So a lot of the things that you just talked about, uh, the ability to buy online, pick up in store, have delivered uh, through a, a variety of features, including drones and autonomous vehicles, uh, just really game-changing uh, technology, uh, not only for the um, for the average Walmart customer, but particularly for those with disabilities, those are blind or low vision. I think one of the things we're focused on is, you know, uh, removing friction from the system and creating convenience. But, uh, you know, it's true that one person's convenience can be another person's access. And so uh, while we're, you know, really doing some really innovative things for uh, the general market, um, we're, we're really, really uh, changing the game for people with disabilities. So really cool stuff. Thanks for everything you and your team are doing. 
Thank you. And Russell, you hit on something there I'd like to mention too um, on transportation. So obviously we're focusing a lot on delivery, but there's this whole other side, particularly of the AV business, where it's about transportation and people movement. And that's where a lot of these companies started as opposed to goods movement. Uh, One of the first early tests that we did was with a company called Waymo, which is Google's self-driving car project. And that was using autonomous vehicles for customers to come pick up at our stores. Mm -hmm. And so that would be a customer that takes an AV, place the pickup order and actually you know, is transported to the store in an autonomous vehicle to collect it. And so it was a different use case for us, but really interested to see how that technology can also enable moving people and not just moving goods. So it'll be able to solve both problems for us. That's really cool, Rachel. And I think um, something that might be of of real interest to the ACB community for sure. So um, everything that Rachel and Dr. Lenore talked about uh, are really cool things that are happening in different parts of our business across Walmart. Uh, however, uh, none of this is possible without an enterprise-wide focus on accessibility. And so um, that's an area where Walmart really doubled down uh, last year on Global Accessibility Awareness Day 2021. Uh, Walmart announced the formation of our first Accessibility Center of Excellence to focus on physical and digital accessibility across our enterprise for both our associates and our customers. Uh, And that team really got started uh, functionally working in early 2022 uh, and is really driven by a vision of um, everything inclusive, everything accessible, uh, and and focused on empowering our associates to define, design, and deliver uh, accessible experiences at scale um, with with an emphasis on adopting a culture of accessibility and action across our enterprise, building the infrastructure necessary for uh, driving accessibility across the company, uh, facilitating best practice sharing, and in engaging the enterprise on accountability for accessible solutions and outcomes. And finally, uh, creating a leadership buy-in and support and onboarding teams uh, to scale accessibility. And so, you know, the Accessibility Center of Excellence team has um, done that last piece very well by engaging what we call the Accessibility Leadership Council, which are senior leaders from all across the Walmart enterprise uh, who are focused on driving accessibility deeper into the ways of working uh, in everyday strategic planning and execution of their various business segments. Uh, And the ACE team, uh, as we affectionately like to refer to them as, um, is, is hard at work on a number of different product, uh, products and projects focused on tools, training, and testing uh, that will really help us uh, deliver on that vision of everything accessible, everything inclusive. So uh, more to come on that. We definitely would like to have the opportunity to come back and tell you all more about our progress and uh, milestones in accessibility at a later time. But with that, uh, we will leave it here for now. Uh, Dr. Lenore and Rachel, thank you both so much for joining me today. Uh, ACB members, thank you so much for having us, and we look forward to having you shop with us at Walmart. Have a great day. Thank you so much to our Emerald sponsor for this convention, Walmart. In addition to being an Emerald sponsor of our convention, they're also a $25,000 health hero for our Get Up and Get Moving campaign.
And I just want to give a special shout out to Kyle Dixon, the regional manager here in Nebraska, with his team of himself and Holly and Scott, who came over on Sunday to help us with our pedestrian bridge walk. We had over 80 people walking, and Kyle and Scott and Holly were there. They took pictures with us with the troll. They walked across the bridge, and they'll be in the exhibit hall today, so please stop by. Uh, get your screenings, look at their products, have a conversation with them, and this is a relationship that will continue to grow and flourish with the American Council of Blind and Walmart Corporation. So thank you so much. Before we introduce our next guest, I want to just remind everybody that in the marketplace today, how many of you are interested in our national parks? Yeah, well, guess what? We are entitled to a free pass because of our vision, uh, because of our lack of vision. So uh, please head over to the marketplace right now. They have a ranger from the National Park Service available at the marketplace today. So during break or before or after, mosey over there and pick up your free park pass, okay? Let's do it. Let's get out there and enjoy our national parks. Now I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce a tremendous friend of the American Council of the Blind. Our diamond sponsor for today is Comcast Universal. And I'd like to introduce the Senior Vice President of Accessibility for Comcast Universal, Tom Lakowski. Let's hear it for Tom. So Dan just gave me a promotion. Uh, VP, not SVP, but, uh, you know, hey, Tom Loratan, my boss, if you're listening, uh, I think he's got the right idea. Morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today, both in person and virtual? A little bit different this year. Great to be back in person for sure uh, here in Omaha. And uh, really proud to be back with ACB again as a, a diamond sponsor. Um, great to follow my good friend Russell Wilson and the team at uh, Walmart doing some great work. So I want to talk about a couple of things that are happening. Uh, I think we'll start on the NBC side. Uh, we continue to lean in on live audio description. Hopefully some of the folks at home got the chance to check out yet, uh, the 4th of July fireworks spectacular from New York with live audio description. Uh, I know everybody here was busy at conventions, so don't think too many people watched it in, uh, who are in person here, but hopefully folks at home did. Um, but a few things coming up that we want to let you know about. For the first time in broadcast history, the Emmys will be available with live audio description. <clears throat> so you can mark your calendar for September 12th, and you can catch the Emmys broadcast on NBC with live AD. Uh, we continue the Thanksgiving tradition with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on November 24th. And then on November 30th, we're going to hit the um, holiday tree lighting from Rockefeller Center with live AD. And then a musical, a live musical, we've been doing a few of those over the past several years. Uh, in December, the date is still to be determined, so stay tuned. Nice thing about it is you can check out an accessible uh, audio description schedule of all of the shows on NBC. Now you can go to www.nbc.com slash general slash pages 
slash audio hyphen description. If you can remember that, there'll be a quiz later. <laughs> uh, even better, you can go to the audio description project page here uh, through the American Council of the Blind, and uh, you can catch all of the uh, NBC uh, and Peacock content, um, and uh, Voodoo uh, now has audio description, uh, a new uh, streaming service that we have uh, uh, that uh, also has audio description. So uh, if you can't remember the URL I gave you, uh, you go to the audio description project and we'll, we'll keep you up to date that way. So things to be considering, don't forget about the Emmys, the Thanksgiving Day Parade, holiday tree lighting, live musical plus all a variety of uh, children's and primetime shows on the network. So that's the NBC side. Um, on the Comcast side, uh, we've been busy too. Um, we got a few product launches um, that we're happy to talk about. Uh, we have a new large button voice-enabled remote control coming out in late August. Um, and this is our first large button remote with voice. Uh, the current product was a third-party uh, product that uh, predates my joining the company oh, 10 years ago. Um, but now we have a Comcast-designed large-button remote, which actually was informed by focus groups that we did years ago at an ACB convention. Um, nice part about this one, you don't have to hold the button down for voice, you just tap it, and then you speak your command, and you move through. And that works with our Xfinity X1 and Xfinity Flex products. You'll be able to get that through our accessibility uh, call center. And uh, a lot of different features that we put into that. You don't have to take the back off to uh, uh, change the batteries. You can slide the uh, back down so you never lose the back. I've always taken the back off of those things and you drop them and you can't find it. And then it's got some convenient tabs to lift the batteries out. So arthritis and other uh, dexterity challenges, uh, folks with uh, those dexterity challenges needs are, are met with, with that remote as well. Um, so look forward to your feedback as, as, as you get that uh, product. The other one that we want to announce is uh, we actually partnered with Hisense, which is a consumer electronics manufacturer, and we are now in the TV business. We have something called X-Class TV. Uh, these are smart TVs uh, available in 43-inch and 50-inch screen sizes at a very affordable price. You can get a 43-inch 4K smart TV complete with accessibility for $250. You can get a 50-inch uh, 4K smart TV complete with accessibility features for $295. Where can you get them, you ask? our good friends at Walmart. So you can uh, get your medications, everything else you need there, and uh, accessibility-wise, and then you can go pick up a TV. And um, we are gonna actually give a TV away here at the convention. Now, nothing in life is free, we know that. So you're gonna have to earn it a little bit. You're gonna have to come by conference room 211 for a little product demo. Put your name in the fishbowl. And who knows, you might have a big box waiting for you on your doorstep when you come home from the convention, and it'll be a TV on us. 
So hopefully we will see you. We'll be in conference room 211 from 9.30 to 12.30 today. And again, from 9.30 to 12.30 tomorrow. And I need to find Janet Diggleman after this to figure out how we're gonna do the drawing. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get that. First, most important part is that you get your name into the fishbowl. Ah, well, maybe we can give a 50 inch away. How about that, if you want. Should I give a 50 inch away? All right, then I guess I just committed to giving a 50 inch away. So uh, again, my boss, if you're listening, it's on your dime anyway, what do I care? All right, <clears throat> well, since we have folks in person who will be able to see the TV, uh, we, I know that we have a virtual audience as well. So we put a quick video together that uh, highlights some of the features of this TV, our product experience group. So you're gonna hear now from Eve Hippolyte who is our, one of our product experience storytellers, and she is going to let you know what this TV has in store for you. Text, PX, product experience. Eve, Hippolyte, product experience storyteller. Hi everyone, I'm Eve from the product experience team. X-Class TV is a 4K smart TV that comes with hundreds of apps and 12 months of Peacock Premium included. You also get a voice remote to easily search across all your content with a simple and intuitive user interface. In this product experience, we'll look at an accessibility overview of X-Class TV. Hardware Overview Wireless Devices X-Class TV is built on the same global technology platform that powers Comcast entertainment and connectivity products and services, including Xfinity X1, Xfinity Flex, SkyGlass, and SkyQ. There's no physical set-top box, and everything is built right into the TV. Panel on back. You can connect devices such as gaming consoles, DVD players, and others into one of the three HDMI ports. And you also have the option of connecting a digital antenna to watch live local television stations over the air. Accessibility features. Activation. Accessibility starts when the customer turns on the TV for the first time. Many users prefer to be talked through the activation process. Setup. TV activation with voice guidance or the talking guide is enabled by default for all users, permitting them to turn off if desired. Text. Voice guidance enabled. Time to start exploring. A better entertainment experience is waiting for you. Remember, you can update your setup at any time by going to settings, need your new TV, button, one of one. Accessibility settings. Navigating to the settings menu, you'll notice the accessibility is prominently featured. At the very top of the page is the quick settings, which is automatically filled with your frequently used settings. Scrolling through the accessibility settings menu, you'll find closed captioning, audio description, voice guidance, and voice guidance speech rate. There is also the set remote shortcut option that can be configured for closed captioning, audio description, and voice guidance. I have voice guidance set up as my remote shortcut. Now I can easily enable or disable voice guidance by pressing the settings button on the remote twice. Voice guidance turned off. Menu. Finally, we have magnify text. Enabling this feature addresses both high contrast and increasing text size. Toggling it on and navigating back to the home page, now the focused item text is highlighted in a large white box at the bottom of the screen with black text. Menu. Another feature I'd like to highlight is dynamic sound. 
which can be found in the Picture and Sound section of the General Settings menu, underneath Audio Settings. Toggling Dolby Volume surfaces dynamic sound, which allows you to tone down the loud sounds in shows and movies that may be jarring. Critical for those with sound sensitivity. And we have Enhanced Dialogue, which separates the audio track from the background sounds, making it more easily heard. Why accessibility? At Comcast, we believe in integrating accessibility into product development early and often, partnering with teams to deliver a truly inclusive experience. Inclusive products are better products, and we're excited about the future of accessibility at Comcast. She grins. Want to learn more about accessibility? Visit px.comcast.com for more product experiences. Text PX. Reminder of uh, some other apps that we have. Xfinity Stream app for watching TV uh, uh, when you're not watching on a regular TV with a set-top box. Uh, and our Xfinity app, um, which is um, you know, your ability to control your uh, home network, your internet, uh, through your smartphone. Um, you can do parental controls. You can uh, you know, add devices to profiles, et cetera, pause the internet, uh, those types of things. Um, and then uh, that app over time is going to converge. The other service we now have is Xfinity Mobile. Uh, so we're a mobile carrier as well. You can, you can um, get a mobile service that runs on the Verizon network. Um, and when you're in our footprint, uh, you're mostly on Wi-Fi, so you're not using cellular data as much as you might ordinarily with, a, with another service. Um, and so that's uh, available as well, uh, and we will tell you more about that when you stop by and, and check out the TV. Again, happy to be here at the convention. Um, enjoy our partnership with ACB and look forward to what's to come in this coming year. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you to Comcast Universal. What a wonderful partner. Did anybody enjoy the audio description of the Olympics here over the last year? Let's give them a big hip, hip, hooray. All right, thank you, Tom. But now we would like uh, to introduce to you Sylvia Stinson Perez, Chief Program Director for the American Foundation for the Blind in Arlington, Virginia. Sylvia, welcome to the ACB Conference and Convention. Thank you, Dan. It is so wonderful to be with all of you. I wish I could be there in person playing goalball and eating steak. I'm super envious. I was planning to be there, but um, I bet a bunch of you could guess why I'm not there. So, um, but maybe next year for sure. But I want to congratulate ACB on your commitment to ensuring that everyone has access to being there, this hybrid, even though you're having technical challenges, that creating that opportunity to ensure um, those who couldn't be there have the opportunity to connect. And to follow up with that, I just want to really commend ACB on all you've done over the past couple years to really create this incredible, inclusive community. I really believe that our community is stronger and way more connected. So it's one positive thing that has come out of um, COVID. So congratulations on 
really just making a, a really incredible impact on the lives of people who are blind. I've, I'm just truly convinced that, especially over the past couple of years, but through engagement with consumer groups like ACB, that people have met mentors and friends that have really helped increase their confidence, their advocacy skills, their technology skills for sure. The AFB Blind Leaders Program, which I'm so just fortunate to be a part of and is entering into our third year, really strives to help people develop greater confidence and skills in leadership as people who are blind. And we all know how challenging navigating um, leadership opportunities are when you also have the challenge of vision loss. So we really attempt to provide strategies to help navigate that journey. We've had several ACB members participate in the Blind Leaders Program, which has been just wonderful. I wanted to share a few benefits of mentoring and mentors. Um, as I know, ACB is also working on developing a um, formalized mentor program, which is exciting to me. So here are some things that we've identified. Increased self-confidence as mentors tend to help push us a little out of our comfort zone. Increase self and community advocacy efforts. Skills and connections to build personal and professional networks, which may lead to finding new jobs or expanding our options. Learning adaptive skills for life, you know, life, just adapting to vision loss and especially on the technology front. And increased interest and pursuit of leadership opportunities. So those are just a few of the benefits that the Blind Leaders Program brings, as well as just connecting with mentors brings. I've had really been blessed to have some great mentors in my life. And I'm just going to call out a couple who had significant impact on my life through my involvement with ACB. And those are Paul Edwards and Jim Crott. And I have known both of them for many years. I'm not going to name the number because that'll make them seem old. But many years, and they have had such a positive impact. And so I encourage all of you, if you don't have a mentor, find one and connect with them. And really set goals and allow them to help you get out of your comfort zones and push to your next level. The next um, cohort of the AFB Blind Leaders Program has been selected. We're actually kicking off this week. And um, so we're really excited. We have 50 people, 25 mentors and 25 fellows. And our next cohort will open again early next spring. So look for the application on our website at afb.org. This program, just as a note, is focused on mid-level career folks. So we hope that you will all consider participating.
So we also have a new program called the Talent Lab, which is focused on um, increased digital inclusion. And that program launched early this month, or last month, we're in July, oh my goodness, last month, and we have through that a registered apprenticeship, a registered apprenticeship program. So look for details on applying for that again early next spring. So um, I was asked to share information about our research and policy, and um, of which our partnership with ACB is really important. And in the past year, um, AFB's research team launched three studies. The Workplace Technology Study, the Journey Forward Study, which looked at the impact on COVID on adults, and the Access and Engagement Study, which was the final phase, uh, the final phase of COVID research which looked at the experiences of students with visual impairments. This study was just released a few weeks ago, and I wanted to share just a few key findings. Parents and educators reported that there were many digital inaccessibility issues. As all of us know, um, as parents, <laughs> Uh, as parents who are blind, and um, of course, as our, you know, if you have children, you know, our children who are blind across the country also experience lots of issues with accessibility and usability. So consequence, consequently, it was difficult to access the same materials that peers were accessing. Of course, lack of reliable internet has been a big issue for everyone. And 43% of teachers reported that it was one of the top challenges um, in ensuring that all students had access. And 90% of the educators reported that the 2020 and 20 to 2021 school year was more emotionally challenging. Some of the emotional challenges that people faced were fear of COVID, feeling more lonely, and just social isolation in general. On a positive note though, there was a lot of reports of increased connection between parents and teachers. And we hope that that trend will continue. So we want to also thank ACB for really promoting and supporting finding research participants. We definitely plan to continue to provide research that's insightful and timely. On the policy front, we continue to work with key partners like ACB for greater digital inclusion. Since digital inaccessibility continues to be a big challenge. We're working with ACB, NFB, and NRDN to spearhead some strategies 
to redress regulations in digital accessibility. I'm sure that you're gonna hear way more about these kind of policy efforts at the convention. And you too can play a part. So advocacy is really important and we encourage all of you to get involved. We worked together to develop a strategic alliance with over 20 cross-disability organizations to address web access regulations. And we'll continue to work to gather more support across the disability community. In the coming year, AFB with partners will continue to identify additional research and policy advocacy needed to accomplish the changing we, the change we seek. We're grateful our, for our strong partnership with ACB. Collaboration and partnership are crucial to ensure we're able to accomplish the incredible goals that we all have for policy and advocacy. To learn more about AFB, you can visit afb.org. And if you want to connect with me specifically, you can find me on LinkedIn at Sylvia Stinson Perez or email me at, I'm going to give you the easy version, sperez, S-P-E-R-E-Z, at afb.org. Please enjoy your convention it's such an exciting time to be able to connect and enjoy and find mentors and friends. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you. And I hope to see many of you applying for mentor or fellow positions within the AFE Blind Leaders Program and to see you at next year's convention. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sylvia, for those informative and inspirational remarks. The American Council of the Blind truly values its relationship with the American Foundation for the Blind, and it was wonderful to have you at our convention. And we look forward to seeing you in Schaumburg next year, Sylvia. Thanks so much. All right, now just a quick announcement before I turn it over for, to the presenter of today for today. Just a reminder to everybody uh, that we still have our MMS table going strong at the exhibit hall. So if anybody is interested in making an initial pledge to the monthly monetary support program, a minimum of $10 a month, or increasing their pledge by $5 a month, we'd love to hear from you. That phone number again to, to get in touch with Gene Mann is 888-999. 3190. That's 888-999-3190. Or you can email her at askacbmms at gmail.com. That's askacbmms 
at gmail.com. Thank you, Gene, for all your hard work and all those that have been manning the monthly monetary support table at table eight in the exhibit hall this week. Also, just a reminder, there's a very few raffle tickets still remaining, so get down to registration and pick those up before the banquet tomorrow night. You could be the proud winner of $5,000, $1,000, or $500. And Alan Peterson, I think he's almost at his goal, so go see Alan if you're looking for a Braille Forum raffle ticket. Now, again, and don't re one more reminder for those who maybe were arriving a little late, make sure and stop by Marketplace and pick up your free park pass. You're entitled to it. So we have a ranger from the National Park Service at the Marketplace this morning. Now, I am so honored to introduce to you our presenter for the day, our ACB treasurer from Talladega, Alabama, David Trott. Dan's shorter than I am. I had to pull the mic down. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Before we get off into our program, I'm going to take a, a minute of personal privilege as your treasurer. You know, I'm always asking you for money, and don't worry, I will again. But, uh, you know, and I'm telling you the expense we have, but I don't tell you how good a stewardship we keep on our money. And one of the greatest things that we have is our employees. I want to tell a couple of stories, and then I want to ask you to help me with something at the end. I've, I've had some conversations. Uh, we, all of our employees put in extra, and I'm not going to mention every one of them, but I want to start out with one of our contractors, Larry Gassman, who is a new one. Uh, I don't know if he really knew what he was getting into because he, is, he puts in far beyond the contracted hours we pay him for. Uh, same, same with Rick Morin back there. Uh, Rick's, Rick's an employee and, and he puts in more than we pay him for. Then I had an interesting, I was having an interesting conversation with Clark Rackford the other day and he said something that stuck with me. He said, um, you know, at five o'clock the phone starts, stops ringing. And he said, I start to work on something. And he said, all of a sudden I look down and it's seven o'clock. This, this is a fine example of the, of the type of employees that we have. Um, and then uh, I'm always, Nancy, Nancy Becker will call me on a Saturday. And of course I'm not her boss, Eric is. But I say, go home, Nancy. You know, it, it's, you know uh, it's, it's, it's great to know and then the last thing I'm going to say before I ask you to help me with something here is I had a conversation. Uh, Eric Bridges, I have concerns about our employees all the time that they're overworked. And of course, we got a couple of vacancies. So I wanted to talk with Eric about those, but he wasn't getting in until late that Thursday night. So he called me before we left. And we were having this conversation. And he gave me the best example of our employees that, that I can think of. Major corporations would love to have them. He said, David, at 15 to 5, you're not seeing people packing their stuff up, getting ready to go. He said, 5 o'clock doesn't happen at ACB. And that's, that's the kind of employees that we have. And that may be our biggest, biggest expense every year, but it's also the greatest asset that we put out from ACB is our employees because they're doing the day-to-day -day operations that no board member or no member could do on their own. So when you think about those guys on a committee meeting at night, think about it. They're there because they're believing in the mission of ACB, not because it's the job that they have. Now I'm gonna ask you, if you would, to stand 
and by your applause, show your appreciation for our great employees. And, and if you can't tell in my position in management and also when I was a vendor and had to hire people, uh, I, I have a love and respect for good employees and I really have a lot of love and respect for these great employees that we have. At this time, another favorite part of ACB's convention to me is getting to hear from and learn about our scholarship winners because they possibly are the future leaders in ACB. And also, I would like to thank our friends at the, at, at the American Foundation for the Blind for their trust in having us administer their scholarship program. So at this time, I think it's a video presentation. We're going to hear about our scholarships. The American Council of the Blind, ACB, and the American Foundation for the Blind, AFB, are again partnering together to offer educational scholarships ranging from $2,500 to $7,500 for legally blind students. Congratulations to our 2022 scholarship recipients. Carmen Guzman is from Celebration, Florida. She is an undergraduate student pursuing a degree in music education. This fall, she'll be attending the University of Miami in Coral Gables, Florida. Carmen is receiving the Gillette, Anderson, and Carcel scholarship. A fair-skinned woman with glasses and blonde hair. So my major is music education. And what led me to choose that was actually starting all the way back in elementary school. I loved all the teachers that I had. They really helped me learn the way I wanted to. They gave me accommodations. They made learning super fun. And I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. And when I heard of bands in fifth grade, I thought this would be something fun for me to do. I already love doing other kinds of art. So I wanted to do band. And ever since then, I really loved playing music. And I've always had this connection to music that you can't always describe in words. So connecting the music with the teaching, it made a perfect connection for me to pursue music education. Grace Patterson is from St. Petersburg, Florida. She is an undergraduate student pursuing a dual major in English literature and law and society as a pre-law student. This fall, she'll be attending Florida Atlantic University's Wilkes Honors College in Jupiter, Florida. Grace is receiving the Dillman Scholarship. A white woman with glasses and short hair. I became interested in the legal fields because I've seen the kind of discrimination that um, not only the blind and visually impaired community has faced, but the entire mental and, and physically handicapped community. And I believe that with my experiences as a disabled American, I can enhance the legal field and hopefully create more equal opportunity for those with disabilities under the law. Malia Thibodeau is from Pell City, Alabama. She's an entering freshman interested in pursuing a degree in international business and foreign language with a minor in entrepreneurship. This fall, she'll be attending Hillsdale College in Hillsdale, Michigan. 
Malia is receiving the Business and Accounting Subcommittee Floyd Qualls Scholarship. An Asian woman with long, dark hair. Well, I became interested in studying international business and foreign language because it's an interdisciplinary field of study where I can study both uh, the principles of business and the complexities of foreign policy, language, and culture. I've always been interested in like learning how businesses are structured and how to market and manage uh, enterprises like that. And then I've always had a passion for studying history and language. So I just decided to combine the two together. And so I want to use these skills to become a diplomat or negotiator on behalf of a large company or a government entity. Brandon Swallow is from Rockingham, North Carolina. He is an entering freshman interested in pursuing a degree in information technology with a minor in cybersecurity. This fall, he will be attending the University of North Carolina in Pembroke, North Carolina. Brandon is receiving the Cannon and Rux Scholarship. A dark-haired man with glasses. What got me interested in, sci in cybersecurity was reading about the different data breaches that, that happened, especially with Target, and also learning about how computers work. Kevin Cohen is from Hewlett, New York. He is an undergraduate student pursuing a BS in accounting and a BA in economics. This fall, he will be attending Binghamton University, State University of New York. Kevin is receiving the Ross N. Pangier Scholarship. A white, red-haired man with glasses. Um, so in college, I'm studying accounting and economics on the pre-law track. Um, originally, I got into law and litigation through mock trial and debate in middle school and high school. Um, and in college, I've gained a greater interest in economics and accounting um, throughout my coursework and also through my internship last summer. Um, in the political world. So I'm, I'm just really interested in gaining a strong foundation in business before I go into um, a career in law. Carmen Guzman. So what I would consider my greatest accomplishment goes back to last fall semester at the Frost School of Music. I was in the jazz big band, which at the time was new for me because of COVID. I wasn't able to be in the band before. But not only was I able to play trombone in this big band, I was able to arrange a piece for the band, which was a huge deal for me because this school was so selective and it was such an honor to be picked out of the band to premiere a composition in the concert program. So I wrote a composition last year called Meant to Be. It's a jazz bossa nova tune. And I was able to write a big band arrangement for it. There were about 20 musicians in the band and I wrote it all out during the semester and we played it as a group and we were able to premiere at the concert, which just made me so happy and grateful. And it was such an amazing experience putting it together. Brandon Swallow. My greatest accomplishment is graduating with an associate's degree before I got my high school diploma. Malia Thibodeau. Sorry, people might not know that in 2009, there was a thing in <laughs> the capital of uh the capital of the United States, uh, where they unveiled the memorial statue of Helen Keller. They brought in 
two females from the deaf school, uh, one male from the Alabama school for the deaf and blind. And then he brought in me. I was four years old and I sang in the Capitol. Hold out a hand, palm down. I guess it's pretty interesting. I'm also a stock photo for Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Kevin Cohen. Uh, so I would say that one of my greatest accomplishments, uh, something that I'm very proud of, is completing a half marathon in Long Island. Um, it was the thing that I was working towards for a long time and training for. Um, and it was very difficult for me, but in the end, I was able to complete it. And it, you know, it was something that, that gave me a great self-confidence boost and uh, something that I'm going to remember forever. Carmen. So something that people might not know about me is that I also do lots of art and graphic design. And even though I'm visually impaired, I'm still able to use the technology that I have to make art my way. So I love creating digital art on my iPad. I love creating graphics for school clubs and also just for fun because it gives me that outlet outside of music that's still a creative art, but it's not music. So I'm able to not get burnt out and make art that's also really fun, but it's not necessarily music all the time. Grace Patterson. Um, I would like the community to know that I am a current model United Nations delegate, and I've just competed in two national competitions, both in Manhattan and Washington, D.C., where my university placed first in both. And as a delegate, you have to um, maintain a kind of diplomacy with the other delegates and international students around not only the United States, but across the world, and hopefully come to real world solutions to the issues that the real United Nations is dealing with on a current basis. She nods. Malia. Well, I can't really pin down one solid accomplishment. I feel like this last year for me, which was my senior year of high school, has been difficult for me both personally and academically. I feel like my adoptive parents, uh, they're amazing. They've had a few health issues which have made it harder for them to help me which they still do they're very amazing but um so I've had a few personal issues with that and then academically it has been very challenging it's been the hardest uh yet I my as like a teenager I feel like my whole life has been adding up to this senior year of graduation and I I did it I'm very proud of it I i uh, mastered calculus and Spanish and I survived physics and then I also uh, did I also shaved down like my personal records in track to by 40 seconds and I just was have been very proud of my accomplishments this year how far I came from the beginning of high school at least. Brandon. I graduated with my associates and my high school diploma on the same day. Uh, that's the, the interesting thing about me. Kevin. Um, well, a fun fact, um, something that I've recently gone into was uh, scuba diving. This past uh, semester in college for my uh, wellness credit, I took a, um, a scuba diving training course. A logo, ACB in print and braille, American Council of the Blind, together for a bright future. All right, that, I tell you, it's, it's just, it just touches my heart to hear these young people and know that ACB is going to be a part of their future 
and hope that it sticks with them. Hello. Dan, do you, do you realize that this is the first time in well over 20 years that a member of CCLVI who has contributed a lot to the scholarship program hadn't been able to be with us, Mr. Fred Shacker. He injured his heel uh, and is now in rehab. And this is, uh, I know CCLVI misses him and ACB, he's always uh, been around, been in the meetings and been a part of ACB. So uh, he's not with us this year for that reason. That, that's right, David. I, I tell you, I've, I've had an opportunity to meet Fred over the years. He's just such a fantastic human being and you know what he contributes to the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International every year is amazing. He gives three $3,000 scholarships plus travel expenses out of his own personal assets to help low vision people attend this convention. You know, we're, we're blessed to have a lot of people like that in ACB. Not, not everyone can afford to, to spend that kind of money every year. But you, you think about it, Dan, the people that go out and, and even with four people buy their raffle ticket, uh, they're very important to this organization and what we stand for. They truly are. And what I've been taken back by this week is, you know, this is a tough time. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, Janet and Sally and everybody tried their best, and we had some good contributions from our local Lions clubs. But it's honestly been very difficult to get volunteers for this year's convention. Yet what I've seen over and over and over again is our own personal members taking that extra step, having that kindness, and reaching out and making sure their fellow members get to where they need to go. It, it warms my heart every day when I just see everybody getting to the elevators, getting across that sky bridge, and getting to this general session ballroom. So, folks, thank yourselves for being there for each other. And, and I have to share a, a, just a story that there was a, a couple who have an autistic son who is in a group home here in Nebraska. They come once a month for a week to stay with their son. They're, they live several hours out of, out of town, but they come to spend time with their adult son at this group home, and they stay here in this hotel. So they're here relaxing on Saturday after they'd seen their son. And they're in, the, they're in the lounge area just having a drink and relaxing. And all of a sudden, all these blind people start arriving. <laughs> and they're like, what's going on? So this couple goes to Nancy. Their, their name is Creston and says, is there any way we can help your organization? So they have spent this week volunteering to take our members around the hill. They, they go see their son in the morning and then they come back and they help our members all day long. And, and so Clark Rockfall, our Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, going that extra mile, right, David? Yeah. Met, met the Christens, and 
He wanted, he was so impressed with them, he has invited them to join us tonight at our banquet. And he's paying their, he's paying for their dinner. So, you know, again, it's just kindness. It's just people out there going that extra mile to do the right thing. So David and I just wanted to take a minute and say, you know, we do a lot of presentations. We do a, you know, we, it's very important to do the business of this organization, but don't ever forget the personal part. It makes us who we are. It truly, truly does. David, what's our next presenter? All right. Our next presenter is, is going to be a familiar name to you, actually. Um, Dayal, I'm sorry, Dayal Muhammad, and she is the Director of Disabilities Policy for, for the Dom Domestic Policy Council in Washington, D.C., and Day is going to be joining us by Zoom, and it's, Day, it's great to hear your voice again. Um, so first, uh, let me say uh, thank you to everyone. Thank you, ACB. Uh, thank you, Eric Bridges and folks for the lovely invitation to, to be here today. Um, so uh, as you heard, my name is Dale Mohammed. I'm the Director of Disability Policy for the Domestic Policy Council here at the White House. Um, some of you actually you may remember me from my very, very first job in Washington, D.C., which was actually as ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. So for me, it's, it's wonderful to be able to come back uh, full circle and be able to kind of share the space with you all, even if I have to do it virtually this time. Um, so um, just as a quick, uh, a, a quick image description, uh, so I'm a, a brown-skinned woman uh, with black hair pulled back into a very tight uh, little ponytail. I now, after many years, have a lovely streak of gray, gray down one side, and I have my new favorite shirt, which is kind of a blue-green that's supposed to look like, um, like deep ocean water. So I'm pretty thrilled with that. Um, so, uh, so I appreciate the opportunity to be here and to, to kind of share with you a little bit about uh, the administration's priorities and the president's promises as it applies to folks with disabilities. So uh, as mentioned, I'm the director of disability policy for the Domestic Policy Council. So the, the DPC, um, just to tell you a little bit about it, is if you think about it, is the, the core component um, and that um, in many ways we think of as driving policy within and across the federal government. Uh, it's currently headed by Ambassador Susan Rice. And so basically, if it has to do with disability policy um, and it's coming from anywhere in the federal government, at some point, it's going to cross my desk. Um, so in in short, that's that is kind of what um, the um, the Domestic Policy Council does. We have a health team. We have a COVID team. We have an immigration team. Um, uh, and so, so it's a, a neat mix, and I end up uh, ending up working across um, teams with a lot of other amazing folks who are absolutely committed. Um, so, as I said, I have the privilege to work on disability-related issues across all the federal agencies, and really, it's thinking about how the administration can kind of fulfill its commitments. Uh, to community integration, how we're expanding access to home and community-based services, how we're expanding opportunities for greater research into long COVID, um, you know, and basically what we're here for today, which is supporting better access and inclusion um, for folks with disabilities, specifically for folks who are blind and, and low vision. Um, oh, pardon. 
Um, so uh, I'm just going to go through kind of some of the things to summarize where we've been a little bit. I, I know it's been uh, uh, a, a bit of a tough few years, and I think folks feel like we're finally getting some space to breathe. Um, I have to admit, I've only been, been with the administration since April, so my my knowledge is is short uh, but deep. Um, I think one of the places to start with is is we talk about how much COVID has impacted everyone. It's disrupted routines. Uh, it's it's increased social isolation, anxiety, and for for young folks, it's actually impacted learning loss. And I think one of the things that really has been key for top of folks' minds, particularly parents, is that one in three, I mean, high school students reported persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness, and and more than half of parents expressed concern over their children's mental well-being. Um, and so about a year ago, the president signed the American Rescue Plan into law, and the American Rescue Plan provided funds, uh, it's actually in many ways a historic investment in preschools through 12th grade, um, to keep schools open, to tackle learning loss. Um, and we're talking specifically $3 billion to states and school districts to specifically meet the needs of students with disabilities, including students who are blind and low vision. Um, and I know that's been one of the toughest things is long-term how much um, supports to students with disabilities has just been underfunded. And that includes, um, you know, things that improve learning um, for folks who are blind and, and young kids. Um, the other thing is the rescue plan provided almost 40 billion. In it, I think it's actually probably one of the largest one-time infusions ever to colleges and universities. Um, and again, while the overall title talks about um, ensuring learning continues during the pandemic, a lot of these funds also provided direct financial relief to students. Um, and so the idea is, is, is basically being able to do that, as well as purchasing COVID-19 tests, being able to make health screenings available, and actually also providing health care um, uh, to enable students to even continue to get back on their feet after these two hardest years. The presence paused federal student loan payments and interest and collections. You know, no borrower uh, with a student loan held by the Department of Education had to pay a dime on their student loans. Um, and beyond that, the Department of Education has approved nearly $26 billion in targeted debt relief to more than 1.3 million students. Um, and, and if it sounds like I'm jumping topics a lot, a lot of it is me just trying to make sure I can cover the breadth of things. So I know one of the biggest priorities for President Biden and Vice President Harris has been working uh, both with Democrats and Republicans to create the Affordable Connectivity Program, which allows tens of millions of American households to reduce their Internet service costs by up to $30 a month um, after they secured commitments from 20 leading internet providers to increase the speeds and to cut prices, uh, making sure they all offer ACP eligible households, high speed, high quality internet plans, meaning tens of millions of folks um, can now have access and they're qualified and they just need to visit getinternet.gov to receive internet at no cost for, for some. Um, I also want to take a pause in here that I know that were, there were several um, blindness organizations who are actually very active in making sure, one, that this did consider disability, and two, um, I even my first weekend got email saying, hey, your getinternet.gov site from the start 
<clears throat> has some accessibility issues, um, which, you know, not, not great. So we turned that around, I think, in less than a week to make sure it was fully accessible. This, is, this belongs to everybody. Um, related to that, I know some folks um, had a chance to talk to Allison Barkoff earlier this year from the Administration on Community Living um, uh, from the, uh, I think, the legislative seminar. And she talked about some of the expansions uh, in telehealth coming out of HHS and also a recognition of some of the barriers around the platforms and the websites and kind of some of the ongoing you know, recognition of the frustrations that are a part of that. Um, I know that um, in their spring agenda, the Department of Justice actually um, specifically talked about um, looking at uh, addressing web information and services, at least, um, I believe, under Title II for state and local governments um, with, with the idea of coming out with an NPRM in April of next year. Um, so I know it's not necessarily what... what um, what advocates would like to hear, but at least it's a step in the right direction. I also know that um, your own national office team have been working really hard to make sure that nothing gets lost. And the idea is to do as much as possible on that digital accessibility front. The other thing that I think that was of note, um, it's one of those things we don't think about, um, but looking into the future could have a massive impact was that the Department of Justice and the um, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission both came out with non-discrimination guidance around AI algorithms. Um, and that sounds like something a little science fiction-y and why should we worry about that now? But when we see more and more employers starting to look at these automated systems that determine who's a, who could be a good employee and who cannot uh, based on a test, and if that tests um, and the, that test is based on um, data that it was fed that doesn't include disability, or if their system is not accessible, then folks with disabilities would be never be deemed as a good employee. And so the fact that they're trying to get ahead of this and looking at the way algorithms think about disability and that we are part of that data set and included um, can have a huge impact in, in the future. When we start thinking about how much data is collected, whether it's on social media that we use or, um, or even things like health apps, right? All of that information is being collected and sorted and used by these different algorithms. Um, and then it, you know, it's being used for a variety of purposes. Um, we, we think about it being used to sell us things, but it can be used for so much more than that. And so making sure that, that disability is protected as a part of that from the very beginning is absolutely important. Um, as a part of the bipartisan infrastructure law, um, and I'll admit this is what I'm particularly excited about, the Department of Transportation dedicated $39 billion to modernize transit and improve accessibility um, with about 1.75 billion specifically for the all station accessibility program that'll make rail stations accessible for all users. Um, so that's, um, as well as I think 5 billion towards improving airport terminals uh, uh, with a preference for expanding accessibility and ADA compliance. So it's one of these things where, and, I, and I'll be admit, we're still in the process of shaping what it looks like, but the funding is there to increase access. And this is something that, that got started and never got finished. And the fact is, is being able to say that you need to put this accessibility first. Um, 
I know the president signed an executive order that commits federal agencies to do everything in their power to expand and promote access to the ballot. Um, I know I have two colleagues here at the Domestic Policy Council who have basically made sure that 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 voting democracy is central to what they do. And a part of that actually includes um, uh, uh, voters with disabilities. And so that's that's been uh, one of the things that the president really wanted to prioritize. Um, and just this last year, the thing, one of the others is a, the president signed a comprehensive executive order on advancing diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility across the federal workforce. And what that does really is it, it basically charges the federal agencies with advancing pay equity, preventing sexual harassment and misconduct in the workplace, um, but also ensuring that folks who've been underrepresented at the highest levels of government, i.e. folks with disabilities, people who are blind and visually impaired, have an opportunity to succeed and thrive, that you can get a job working for the federal government, that you can be promoted in your job with the federal government, that our government looks and sounds and has people in it who are just like us. Um, and uh, again, I've been working with my colleagues on that, with the Office of um, uh, Personal Management, uh, going, all right, we have an executive order. Now let's look at how do we implement this? How do we make sure um, that our digital systems are accessible, that uh, we're, we're addressing biases that may exist within uh, from managers who, who may have questions about capacity and, and folks with disabilities and being able to actually on the ground from a concrete perspective, move this forward. Um, I think that just hit its one year anniversary mark with a report, I think just this last week. So at, at the end of the day, kind of this accessibility is, is really just one step to achieving greater opportunity and prosperity and stability and equality. And I think one of the key things is your engagement. And that is actually the key towards facing down any of the challenges and developing innovative and creative solutions, whether that's through government administrative solutions, whether that is through legislative solutions, um, and or whether you know there, there are things that can be done through technical guidance that comes, believe it or not, from you. Um, when, when we have those kinds of conversations and engagements, when Eric or Clark call my office and say, hey, Day, what about X, Y, and Z? Um, it makes sure that it's something that, that the administration pays attention to. It's something that I can, we can make sure the president pays attention to. And the idea is to make change. Um, it, 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 um, it, like I said, every, uh, as the director of disability policy, it means anything to the federal government is going to have is going to cross my desk. That also means there's a lot crossing my desk. So being able to rely um, on your knowledge and expertise and lived experience to be able to say, hey, hey, I want to make sure you don't miss this uh, is important. That engagement and back and forth between the government and the people should be there, is supposed to be there. And that's what makes sure that good decisions are made, that change is made, um, and that we actually have a government that looks like us, sounds like us, but also what can we do to not just support and assist blind and visually impaired parents, but what we, how, what we can do to stand by our blind and visually impaired Americans. So, um, so just to, to close, 
um, like many other folks, I, I just want to express my appreciation and my gratitude for the opportunity to, to be here. Um, but also that I look forward to ongoing engagement and conversation over the next few months um, as things move forward. When things go great, awesome. Tell me about them. I want to know because the the more we can, I can wave and go, hey, this is this happened and it was great. Guess what? It makes people want to do more things. Um, and also make sure you let us know when things are not going as well or where things need a bit more attention. Um, and then basically we'll do what we can. And at the end of the day, let's see how much we can improve accessibility and equality for all of us. Thank you. I'll announce the two uh, MMS winners today, John Smith, and I know that's a common name, but we know where you're from. I just don't know right this minute. <laughs> and uh, Donna Browning. And by the way, they say my voice is kind of strange to people sometimes. So I'm going to say that last name again. That's Browning. Sorry, Donna Brown. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, Pat Sheehan and I have a great relationship. We, uh, we're always bantering back and forth. So I'm going to be in C in the banquet instead of Patrick. And Patrick says, you know, David, I spent 17 years on the board. Do you think... Uh, I need to send you a list of my accomplishments. And in our normal banner, I said, no, Pat, I think I can remember both of them. <laughs> and of course he told me he loved me too, you know, so, uh, but, but uh, you know, we, we did uh, have a couple of people come off the board this year and Pat Sheehan has spent 17 years, not just as a board member, but uh, working for, uh, ex, you know, improvement in 508, just so many things that he did over the years. So, uh, you know, Patrick is, uh, unfortunately, is not able to be out with us, but, but he does send you his love and tells you that uh, he was honored to serve for the 17 years. But I got a friend in Kentucky, he's always asking me about, uh, I talk about trailer parks in Alabama. And uh, he's always asking me what's going on in the trailer parks. Well, you know, Rhonda and I, we inherited a farm and neither one of us are farmers. So we, we turned it into a trailer park. And uh, then we had this guy come and do a write up from the newspaper. I didn't realize that you weren't wealthy in Alabama till you owned the trailer park. But, uh, you, you know, it's all good. Uh, I met Rhonda at the family reunion. We got married. It, it, was, it was great. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we're really not backwards in Alabama, though. We, we got Redstone Arsenal space things going on. Uh, you know, we thought we were going to Mars and ended up on the moon, but, but we're okay. David, the other thing, just honestly, I really want to take this opportunity as well. You, you mentioned Patrick Sheehan and his service on the board, and he's termed out after his latest two-year term. I think he's had a previous two-year term. No, so no. I'm sure we'll probably haven't seen the last of Patrick, but yeah. But besides Patrick, I really want to thank two other board members that are ending their term of service this year. 
and that's Jim Crott from Miami, Florida, and Michael Talley from Talladega, Alabama. Well, excuse me, Birmingham, Alabama. So thank you, Michael, and thank you, Jim, for your service to the American Council of the Blind. It's really, really appreciated. It's, it's always exciting when we get new board members uh, because those of us that's been around a while get to be retrained. <laughs> and, 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 and a lot of us, you know, we, we need it. <laughs> you know, we, we look at our board me meetings and what we don't talk about is the exciting training that we have. Um, we, we are looking for growth this year in, a, in our MMS program, I meant in our ACBES program, but I won't steal my buddy Michael Garrett's thunder. He'll, he'll tell you about that later today. But do know that we're, we're working, even though you heard that, that everything is not great and wonderful, it's not bad. And we've got a bright future ahead of us, just like our logo says. And uh, we're just looking forward to, to being able to get back in person more, to do the business of ACB that we need to be doing, and having great, great opportunities to involve people who are not able to be here with us. And so, although this, this conference has had its hiccups, look at it as a great learning experience, and just think, you got to be here live to be a part of it. So, um, you know, it, it, it's great not only to see people we've seen for years. Of course, I never meet a stranger, and I've met a lot of new people, and it's always exciting to me. But the other night, I met a lady, and uh, she said, oh, I know you. Your wife is the one over the tours. <laughs> so... You, you know, it's great to be recognized. <laughs> but um, I hope everybody's had a good time on the tours. I hope they've had a good time um, and found what you wanted in the exhibits. Oh, bear in mind, now today is early day for the exhibits. They're open now, and they will close at 1 o'clock. So, so let's not forget that. Um, and let's don't forget our banquet tomorrow night. I'm sure we might could shovel you in if you need a ticket. I, I need to see you there. Just if uh, I'm not telling you any more of my stories today, so you're going to have to come tomorrow night to get any of them. And we might go back to the trailer park and we might not. I just don't know. <laughs> I'm tired of the trailer park myself, though. I've lived there too long, you know. It's... Uh, I do have a double wide, but, but still, it's... David, <laughs> that's the high residential community there? Yeah, it's, it, you know, um, they, if you own the park, they treat you good. Oh, I bet. I bet they truly do. I, um, on the other thing, I, I just want to mention a little bit, we're going to have a wonderful banquet speaker tomorrow night, uh, Judy Human. Uh, we had an opportunity to speak with her for about 45 minutes, longer than she's going to speak tomorrow. We spent with her yesterday just getting ready for the banquet talk tonight, uh, tomorrow night. And she is just a really uh, delightful person and an amazing advocate for the disabled community. So I think you're really going to uh, enjoy hearing Judy's remarks tomorrow. So uh, if you haven't bought your uh, banquet ticket, it, it might not be too late. So, you know. Uh, go to registration, and uh, I think we've got almost 250 people attending the banquet tomorrow night. So a really, really, really nice crowd. 
Uh, and then after the banquet, we're going to have a dance, so uh, sponsored by Multicultural Affairs and the Get Up and Get Moving campaign and BPI. So, you know, make sure and stay around for the dance after the banquet. So uh, lots of good stuff still to come. Oh, and there's another ticket you might need for tomorrow night. That's that Braille Forum raffle ticket. That's when we draw. And this year, you know, he sold more tickets than anybody. This year at the banquet, uh, Alan will also be drawing the winning tickets. So let's, uh, you know, you might want to slip him an extra 50 when you buy your tickets. So. <laughs> he was really disappointed last year because he sold all those tickets and Nancy sold the win winning ticket and not him. So that, that broke a string of about three or four years in a row for Alan there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, when we had the banquet, la I mean, when, yeah, when we had the banquet last year, I actually had it, our alumni was late. So when we talk about the trailer park, we actually did have about 60 people at our house eating hot dogs during the banquet. So it it was a great banquet meal, and I got to come on live with Nancy to draw the winning ticket. And I had all these people around making noise. Um. Like I said, if it ain't written down, I sometimes miss it. Um, we, we got this group of people here that really work hard throughout the year, and they raise the majority of the monies that is brought in through the membership. So it's you that help us do a better job. And they're going to talk to you about the better job you've done this year and about how things are going. So I'm going to tell you who these people are and where they're from. Um, when I find my place. <laughs> okay, from the walk chair is Donna Brown. She's from Romney, uh, West Virginia. <laughs> Leslie Spoon is our auction chair, and she's from Orlando, Florida. And, oh man, I, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Dan Dillon, Chair of ACB Resource and Development Committee. He's from Hermitage, Tennessee. All right, guys. ACP Walk. Yes, you know it's going to be. It's going to be in person and virtual, too. It's a hybrid. You can be there either way for the ACP Convention 22. ACP Walk, ACP Walk, yes you know it's gonna be, it's gonna be a hybrid, it's all up to you. You can be there, you can be there, or do it virtually for the ACP Convention 22. And we'll be walking everywhere, yes we'll be walking everywhere, so put on your Good morning, everyone. Well, that doesn't sound very good. I think we can do a little better. Good morning, everyone. Very good, very good. I like that enthusiasm. And, you know, uh, 
Most of you know that the RDC, or the Resource Development Committee, oversees uh, many of the uh, fundraisers. We're going to talk about two tonight, this morning. <clears throat> I'm all right. Uh, but I wanted to, well, first of all, I want to thank all of you who participated in any of our fundraisers we've had this year and previous years. We can't do it without you. And uh, I would just like to have a little uh, uh, mic in the hand privilege here to, to talk about something that has been talked about some, but not, not as much as other fundraisers, and that's the ACB Angels program. So, yes, really, uh, it's, it's a wonderful program. It's brought some money into the American Council of the Blind, but more importantly, it's recognized uh, members and non-members who have contributed to the American Council of the Blind and uh, people that have, that have passed on, but we've kept their memory alive with this ACB Angels program. And briefly, that is where an individual or a, an affiliate contributes $500 to the American Council of the Blind, and then we create their own web page with a picture and a bio, and then we provide them with a, a tactile plaque that we put on what we call the angel wall, and that has raised numerals on it that you can feel, and all along the bottom it has braille. So it's a wonderful program. So uh, hopefully um, we can get some of you to, uh, to participate and recognize an angel from, from your affiliate for, for next year. Um, <clears throat> well, without further ado, we're, we're going to talk about the, uh, with the uh, ACB auction and the ACB walk specifically. But you know, we can have so much fun raising money for the American Council of the Blind. It's great to, with the walk, we have that friendly competition and it gets quite competitive. And then with the auction, if you've participated in the auction, you know that can get pretty wild and woolly, but it's a lot of fun. So to talk about the auction, I want to introduce to you Leslie Spoon. Good morning, everybody. Oh, good. Can you all hear me? Oh, yay. So you know the auction is very near and dear to me. Um, this was the 16th. 16th annual auction, summer auction. The proceeds this year went to the community engagement and membership engagement. So this is, this is exciting, guys. So all of the proceeds that you guys help raise for the summer auction is going for community and membership engagement. So let's give ourselves a big hand. Thank you to everybody that contributed. It was an exciting night, like Dan Dillon said. It was exciting that a couple of days before the appetizer auction with the Spoon household. I love it when people call and Dan answers and they're like, aren't you the president? And they're like, he's like, no, I'm just the auction, auction guy to, the, today. So. <laughs> so keep calling, keep bidding. We love it. Thank you to you guys. Thank you to the donors, the affiliates, the individuals. There were so many new, new donors this year, individual donors. So thank you so much. Um, thank you to my committee. I have, I have 
probably the best committee. I know everybody says that as their chair, but I really do, guys. Uh, this, this takes a village. You guys say, oh my gosh, it's one time a year. You know, we stop. We don't stop all year long. We have a little break this week, which is very nice. And then we start in September for the holiday auction. So it's, it's a year-long work in progress auctions. We love it. My committee consists of Angela Lanier, Beth Corley, Brian Charlson, Jeff Tom, Mary Hopp, Marsha Farrow, Michael Garrett, Patty Slaby, um, Rachel Schroeder, Terry Linagashi, and Zelda Gebhardt. And so guys, it takes a village. You see there's a lot of people on this committee. It takes a village. We also have Nancy Marks Becker as our staff person, which she is always there for us. It's amazing. I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to her. Without her, I don't think I could do all this without her. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Nancy. I really, really appreciate you. You, you, you mean a lot to me, so thank you, thank you. David Trott is our officer li liaison. So thank you also, David. Um, thank you for being patient with us, guys, for shipping. This is kind of a unique um, situation this year. I do have some of your items, if, if you're missing your item. <laughs> Sean Barrett, I still have your item, and I, um, I still have another item that, that I'll get with Mark Bulger. But be patient with us, guys. I'm going home and going shipping, so <laughs> please be patient with us. Um, it's gone well. Chris Sawyer has been charging. If you haven't paid, call us. <laughs> we want your money. <laughs> so you guys ready? Are you, are you ready for a big hip hip hooray in the, in what we think so far? Okay, so here we go. How about a drum roll out there, guys? All right, we have raised for the ACB Summer Auction over $37,000. So thank you, thank you, thank you. This, I get teared up. I know Brenda's up there saying, we've done it again, Dan, so. Thank you, Cindy Hollis. I can't say enough about Cindy. Thank you, Jeff Tom. Thank you for putting your faith in me. I really appreciate you guys and love you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Back to you, Dan. Okay. Thank you, Leslie, and thank all of you who participated in the auction. Now to talk about the walk, the chair of the walk committee, Donna Brown. Uh, so um, anyone in the room who is a walk team captain or a representative of your team, if your captain is not here, come to the front of the room just in front of the stage and um, each team will receive a plaque as a participation. Also, if you are here in Omaha and you signed up for the walk and you did not get a, a bag from the walk, they are wonderful bags, please let me know. If you don't know how to contact me, I can guarantee you probably have a friend who knows how to contact me. So I can't carry these bags home. So please, if, if you did not get one, or you know of a teammate back home and then you can get one to them, please let me, let me know. I've got several in my room. The walk, we actually had the on-site walk on Saturday night, a, quite a new experience. It was part of the tailgate party. And then we 
uh, walked from the hotel over a skywalk and took a little tour of the convention center and then we actually came into general session. Uh, that's the first time we've done that and it was really pretty neat. Uh, so, but the walk, you can still get donations. It is not over. And of course, the theme is walking everywhere. So, you know, I mean, of course, we've done a good bit of walking this week, aside from the actual walk event. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in Omaha, you're walking. <laughs> but we, we also hope that, um, that all of us will continue to, to walk. But we will also, we're hoping that everyone will continue to raise money for ACB by contributing to the walk. And I wanna thank uh, one of our, gosh, we, we have a sponsor every year who is so dedicated to the walk, the Macularly Degeneration Foundation. They, I mean, they truly are friends of the ACB walk. Uh, I, unfortunately, none, nobody was able to be here from that foundation this year, but perhaps in, in Schaumburg next year. Um, also, we do get uh, a sponsorship from the Charles Buell Fund, and if anybody knew Charles Buell, he'd be very happy that ACB is having a walk. He was very much into um, physical activity for blind and low vision individuals. Uh, so, uh, there are 26 walk teams. We gave out some prizes the other night at the walk. And right now, still, the Sugar Warriors are ahead. Um, and however, there, yeah. however there's, another, there's a contest going on. And so, uh, listen up out there. As of yesterday, the, all the, the um, amounts that each team has raised so far are on paper. And so, whichever team raises the most money between yesterday, which was what, July 5th, um, and August 31st, whichever team raises the most within that time period uh, will get a prize. So right now, you could, your team could be maybe in 20th place or whatever, and you could still win that big prize. So I wanna challenge everyone to continue to seek donations from friends, family, businesses, uh, just whoever you know. And we all know that sometimes people really mean to give and then they put, if you sent them an email, they put that aside because they don't have time to do it right then. Uh, just gently and politely go back to them because they probably have good intentions and just haven't gotten around to it. I, I know I have several donors, <laughs> that happens too. So right now, we have raised a little bit over $42,500. Um, so hopefully, maybe by tomorrow, we can be up to $43,000. That's, that's not too much to ask. Um, so I wanna challenge all of the teams to continue to seek donations. It is not too late. August 31st will be the cutoff. And if you remember, your team half of what your team raises, half of that amount will go back to your affiliate. So we all wanna uh, beef up those treasuries in our state affiliates, special interest affiliates. So please join me in continuing to seek donations for the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, Walking Everywhere.
All right, thank you, Leslie, and thank you, Donna, and thank all of you again for participating in our fundraisers. And let's do better next year, bigger and better in Schaumburg. Thank you. Not only great job, RDC, but great job, ACB, because RDC wouldn't be beneficial at all if it wasn't for you, and we certainly appreciate everything you do. I want to give a shout out to our people on Zoom and the people listening on ACB Media. There are certainly a lot of you this morning, and we're glad to have you listening. Glad to have you on board. You know, he's got some good news for you. I'd, I'd really like to steal this guy's report, but he's a buddy of mine, and he'd never forgive me if I did. So uh, at this time, for, from the ACB Enterprises and Services Board is the chair of our board, Reverend Michael Garrett. He's from Missouri City, Texas. Good morning, ACB. Now, you'll have to kind of excuse my excitement this morning because right about 3.15 this morning, about 3.15 this morning, I got a phone call informing me that at 3.06 this morning, the Garrett clan expanded to its 13th grandchild. <laughs> so needless to say, Peggy and I are very excited this morning. But I'm here to, to give the ACBES report, but before I do, uh, let me put on another hat. I'm also on the MMS uh, uh, committee, and Dan and David have already talked about that, but, but I'll be at the back of the room. If you want to increase your MMS contribution, or if you want to begin your MMS contribution, Locate us back at the, at the back of the room. We'll be here today and tomorrow. We're still taking contributions. All right, so let's talk about ACBES, the American Council of the Blind Enterprises and Services. And we are a wholly owned subsidiary of ACB, governed by its own board. And I want to recognize our, our board um, consisting of Jeff Tom, David Trott, Dan Spoon, Kim Charleston, and George Holliday. Now, I'll tell you a secret. I'll tell you a little secret about our board. Uh, and, 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 you know, Leslie said something a while ago, but I want to disagree. I think we have the best board or committee in ACB. Now, don't tell anybody that because they may get jealous, but, but I think we have the best, best board. But really, uh, these folks bring a wealth of knowledge and experience and a broad perspective, and it's, it's a joy to work with, with, with our board. Also, I want to recognize, and they've been recognized a lot this week, is our staff, but I can't help but do that because they do such a wonderful job and they work so hard and they have many hats, but they do a marvelous job. Thank you to Nancy and her staff. Now, there's a third group I want to recognize, and that is our store employees, but I'll talk a little bit about that in, in a couple of minutes. What we do, 
For those of you who may not know or who may be new to ACB, ACBES operates two thrift stores, one located in Amarillo, Texas, and our marquee store in Lubbock, Texas. We engage in the sale of gently used and sometimes new items to the general public. So we love to take on that money. And so, but in a retail business, as has happened in our society and in our country, changes come about. Change happens. People move on, things happen, and, and we are no exception. We've had some changes since I talked to you last. And I'll talk about a couple of those. We changed uh, some managers in our store. And I believe that through our selection process, we have chosen well, our managers are doing well, despite the challenges of our uh, particular economy at this time. The second change that we made and you've heard about it earlier this week, we, we hired or brought on a general manager, Chris Sawyer. Sawyer. He brings to us, yes, yes, yes. He, he brings to us a wealth of experience and not only just experience, but thrift store experience. And, and we've seen the fruit of that already. Uh, in our operations. Um, one of my earliest conversations with, with Chris, I, I, I wanted to, to see uh, what he thought our prospects were. And I said, Chris, I know you've had thrift store experience. And um, as you've taken a look at our thrift stores, our, our markets and, and that sort of thing, do we have room to grow? And he said, yes, we do. And so, you know, I was very excited about that. And, and since he's been with us, we've seen his experience come to fruition. He's come in, he's helped us retool our marketing approach. We're using more social media. We're outreaching to the, the uh, community. And that's where our employees come in. Our employees represent, they, they are ACB in the community because they help the community realize the mission of ACB. So these folks, it's a livelihood to them, but it's an important aspect of ACB in the community. So I really have a, a, a heart for our thrift store employees because they represent us on a daily basis. They, they allow us to do what we do. So what's our goal? I've set a goal that I would love for ACBES to contribute between 15 to 20% of our overall budget. We can do it 
We have a challenge before us, but I believe we can do it, and we're on our way. So I just want ACBES to play a part in bringing ACB together for a bright future. There's so much more you could have told. Uh, I tell you what, I want y'all to... Uh, give Michael another round of applause here in just a minute. I want to tell you, Michael also serves and probably is the most knowledgeable person in ACB on investments. And without him uh, helping us to rework our investment policy along with our investment company that we deal with, uh, we probably wouldn't be as secure as we are. So y'all join me in thanking Michael for the work he does with our I told him one time I had $2 to invest, and he told me to call somebody that cared. So, <laughs> you know, he, he's a million-dollar man, so my little two couldn't help him out. All right. We're, we're doing our, what we're calling our MAPS program. That's the ACB Mentoring, Access, and Peer Support Program. And we have with us today Kenneth Simeon Sr., Chair of the Derwood K. McDaniel First-Timers Committee. He's from Beaumont, Texas. We have Donna Brown from Romney, Virginia. She is the... West Virginia. Thank West you. Virginia, sorry, ma'am. <laughs> they put WB and it runs together for me. What are you, what are you chair of? Burrow Collie. No, she's, she's actually the chair of the Burrow Collie Leadership, co-chair of the Burrow Collie Leadership Institute. And before Dan introduces the other two, let me say that uh, it, it's a great way to honor Burl because Burl was always the person who believed in training and mentoring leaders in ACB. So it's a good way to remember our friend. Dan, would you do the other? Thank you, David. And the other two members of this committee have re who have really, really, this team has worked so hard to put this together with lots of input from so many different individuals and organizations. But the third member is Donna Browning, former J.P. Morgan Chase Fellow. And Donna is the representative from the Membership Services Committee, and she's from Alexandria, Virginia. And then the fourth member, who is getting ready for another event, so she couldn't be with the, the group here this morning, is Cheryl Cummings, who's the chair of the Multicultural Affairs Committee from Boston, Massachusetts. So that's welcome, Dave, uh, that's welcome, Kenneth and team. Welcome, Kenneth. Thank you, Dan. Good morning, everyone. We are excited about what we have come up uh, with uh, by joining together since the month of February. Our first meeting was held on the 20th of that month, and we came together with a platform that I developed initially for another program, and we are working it uh, in, in the way that it will be used for ACB to have a mentoring program. I've enjoyed working with this team that you all heard about, and we have a program, you're gonna hear the acronyms MAPS, MAPS, Mentorship, Access, Peer, and, superior, and Peer Support. Let me say it again, Mentorship, Access, and Peer Support. And within this program, we will have guides, which we are now uh, looking at as our mentors, but the word guide has uh, services acronyms, guidance, 
understanding, intervention, uh, direction, and empowerment. So in our program, those have been well-defined, and we have put things together uh, that you will hear more about. We've had several presentations within the past month. We actually had community calls in May and June to help everyone to better understand what we're working toward. And we've gotten some good feedback, and we've come up with a lot. And I'm happy about where we are today. And you're going to hear some things from uh, my fellow team members that will go more into detail. But I encourage everyone to consider uh, applying to be a mentor or a mentee. Uh, and we have more details will come up about that. And I'll be back in just a little bit. But I'm going to turn it over to Donna Brown for now. OK. So I'm going to share with you the objective of the program and the process um, that we used for developing the program. Uh, so the objective. The American Council of the Blind, ACB, aligns its programs and services with its mission, purpose, vision, and core values. Those are words we hear a lot. Uh, the development of a mentorship program will address a variety of concerns expressed by members and leaders within ACB. This program will serve as a roadmap and place an emphasis on meeting each member where they are and offer guidance to achieve desired goals and aspirations while working to sustain and position ACB to be the premier venue for Americans who are blind, visually impaired, or have low vision. This program will be extended to meet the needs of our affiliates, committees, and chapters as they are encouraged to incorporate effective strategies into their respective areas of service. So um, the process of developing the program. Uh, the ACB mentoring team met weekly. Uh, we um, interviewed professionals working in the mentoring field. And we actually are going to interview a person we heard earlier this morning. <laughs> uh, you know, we all can learn from uh, professionals in, in the field. Uh, we also met with Eric Bridges, and at that time, Tony Stevens was still on staff, uh, to talk about the program outcomes for this first year and perhaps some funding opportunities for the future. Uh, we conducted four community sessions and used that feedback, which was welcome and it was fabulous feedback, uh, to further shape the program. One idea from that discussion was the suggestion to call our mentors, which we kept using that word, but now they are guides. And our mentees now are explorers. So forgive us, because some of us are a little bit older than others, and it takes a little while to change our, our words. So, so if we still say mentors and mentees, we really mean guides and explorers. I'm going to turn it over to Donna Browning. Good morning, everyone. Um, so today, I'm going to talk to you about the framework of the pilot program. So first, we're going to recruit 12 
guides or what's called as mentors and explorers or mentees. Okay, so we're going to do 12 of each. The application is going to be put out that everyone has to fill out and this will be put out on July 15th and it will remain open until August 15th. All right. Um, the prospective guides and explorers will be able uh, to be selected by the ACB mentorship team by the end of August. A very short time. All right. And we hope that people out there will give it great consideration because we look forward to receiving those applications. All right. Now the program begins in September of 2022 and it will end in June of 2023. It's a whole year. All right. The criteria for the mentees and the mentors. Now for the mentees, uh, you've got to be a member of ACB or uh, in a local state affiliate or special interest affiliate. Have some leadership experience in ACB or their state affiliate or special interest affiliate or in their community or all of the above. Um, also, um, identify a goal that you want to work on um, to participate. And, you know, it's also important to determine um, that you're even interested, you know? That's gonna be the most important part because uh, that will motivate you and we really hope that you're interested. I bet there's a lot of you out there who are. All right, next. All right, for the mentors, some of this is the same for you. Uh, we want you to be a member of ACB and a state affiliate or special interest affiliate. Um, we also want you to have leadership experience. That's going to be very important uh, because we're going to want you to uh, give that experience information to those you're going to mentor. Um, we also um, we want you to have a reason for wanting to be the mentor. Um, skills. What kind of skills do you have to be a mentor? Those will be important and we're going to want to know those skills. Also, um, you know, because uh, we want you to believe that you can be a good mentor, tell us your skills and why you would like to be a mentor. And you're going to also need a name and an email address of uh, a reference. All right. And thank you so much. Now I'm going to turn it over to Donna. Okay, um, how will the program function? Good question. Uh, MAPS is a pilot program. Guides and explorers will meet at least twice a month. Could be more. Um, guides and explorers will attend a monthly training offered by an ACB committee and or special interest affiliate. Uh, and we know those happen because the Burl Cawley leadership does a monthly training. Uh, there will be at least two times during the year when all guides 
and explorers will come together for a quote-unquote check-in and sharing of experiences. Uh, guides and explorers will complete an evaluation form of some sort at the end of the program. Your feedback is valuable to the continuing of the program. The mentoring team is developing a resource folder on leadership and will make that available to guides and explorers. And now we're gonna turn it back to Mr. Kenneth. Which way are you coming? <laughs> okay, I wanted to let you all know how we came together as a group. Some may have uh, thought that we were just appointed by uh, Dan just selecting a group, but we came together interestingly by Myself as chair of the Derwood K. McDaniel Fund Committee wanted to work out uh, or develop a program to help those who are recipients to continue learning and growing. And so I spoke at a, a meeting and mentioned this to the leadership team that I wanted to do this. And then I was encouraged to contact Cheryl Cummings of the Multicultural Affairs Committee because they were working on something too. And after that, uh, we made sure that we con connected with the Borough College Leadership Institute Training Committee because they have some things that they can contribute as well to make this program strong. So we all came together through those means. And additionally, there was a resolution 2020-11 from the year of 2020 directing ACB to work toward developing a program program that would include more minorities in leadership. So that's our goal to help people to learn and grow, but we want our members to be prepared to, to lead and sustain ACB as we move forward. So after hearing what Donna, the, the Donnas have said today, uh, I want to let you know that we'll have some things posted within the next week on acb.org for you to read about the program and our applications will go live as stated previously on Friday, July 15th, which is a week from now. And we want to hear from you by asking you to send us email if you have comments, questions. Send email to acb.mentoring at gmail.com. That's acb.mentoring at acb, excuse me, at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to those who show some interest in serving as a mentor and joining in as a mentee as well. Thank you. Before we go to the door prizes, uh, the president twisted my arm to give him a few minutes. Uh, you know how I am. I'm either on time or early. I don't want you in here late. So uh, he's going to talk to us about the process for tomorrow since it will be our first convention and it will be a long day so he's going to give you a little update here of how things are going to run. Dan. Thank you David. And wasn't that a good presentation from the MAPS uh, mentoring committee and I just want to say I'm so excited about the mentoring efforts and these the guides and explorers and what I heard over and over again this is nine months and we're looking for individuals that are willing to make a commitment of their time and talent because it really is, it's at least two times, uh, two touches a month plus a training session 
for nine months. So if you think about that, that's three times nine, that's 27 times over nine months at a minimum, plus a couple of in-person well, or Zoom type of, of get-togethers. So it really truly is a commitment as it should be to do a mentoring program effectively. So as you apply for this, make sure you have the time and the interest because it is so important to develop these relationships over an extended period of time. That's what truly makes the difference for leadership mentoring. Tomorrow, there was some email traffic people, why didn't we do resolutions earlier? I wanted to kind of take a little time to talk about the process. We of course had no idea of how many elections we would have and based on that, uh, you know, how much time would we would need to set aside in general session for roll calls and for candidate speeches. As it turned out, we only had one contested election, so we got through that process fairly uh, efficiently. Uh, everybody did an excellent job. And uh, I want to thank everybody for their flexibility at willing to move their presentations into Tuesday and Wednesday. Hopefully this will make tomorrow's session go much more efficiently. The reason we wanted to hold all the resolutions tomorrow on Thursday is because we want to make sure that all our members get an ample time to participate. We're going to have to have all those that are participating on Zoom in the general session Zoom room ready to go because we will not do any roll call votes tomorrow, but what we will do is voice votes. And voice votes, like we saw for nominations, means we have to go through the process after we have debate on resolutions. So first we're gonna, let, let me kind of walk you through the process. So tomorrow we're going to have 20 resolutions to discuss, debate, make amendments to, and then do voice votes on. And then once we do voice votes, we'll have to ask if there's a need for a record vote, which in our constitution and bylaws, if those in the minority on a voice vote, if 25 of them either stand or raise their hand in the hall or on Zoom requesting a roll call vote, then that resolution will move to our after in-person convention voting election days. So the way we're going to do this tomorrow, we've got to start with, of course, our normal exercises in the morning with the recognition of our corporate sponsors. We have a diamond sponsor, Meta, formerly Facebook, who will be here live and in person to talk to us. And then we're gonna uh, do our resolutions in blocks of four. So Gabe Griffith, our resolutions chair, will be on Zoom. He'll introduce each of the first block of, there's four resolutions at a time. So he will introduce the resolution. We have all the resolutions recorded by Guillermo uh, Robles. He did an outstanding job and we appreciate all of his hard efforts. And then we will hear the resolution and then we will open it up for debate. And then at that point in time when the debate is ended, and let me walk through the debate process by our standing rules. Debate will be held in 20 minute segments. Each person is allowed to speak for two minutes so that we will have 10 speakers if, if that many are, are willing and wanting to speak. 
Uh, there'll be five that'll be for the resolution, voting at glass for people who want to speak for the resolution and get five members for that. And we'll have people who want to speak against the resolution and we'll have five members for that. We are going to try to be equitable about that and have, you know, two, two or three from the ballroom and two or three for Zoom, both on the for and the against. Once we have 20 minutes of debate, Debate will be closed unless the membership asks for an additional 20 minutes of debate. So that's kind of the process we go through. Then once the debate ends, we'll take a voice vote. What we most likely will do is start by taking a voice vote in the Zoom room where everybody will lower their hands and we'll have them raise their hands. Once that count is taken, we'll then call for the, for the yeas and nays in the hall and then that'll give the Zoom room a chance to lower their hands, and then we'll do the against vote in the Zoom room. So we're trying to be as efficiently as we can, can be through this process, and we've never done it before, guys, so what do we say? Patience and flexibility. We're gonna work through this. We're gonna get through it as an organization and as a team. We'll have our supervisor of elections, Nancy Marks Becker, who will be uh, you know, looking at our Zoom room for us and conducting the, the helping us conduct the vo voice vote, as well as Denise Erminger, our parliamentarian. So, once we do once we do a particular resolution, then we'll call the next one. Once, if for any reason we have a record vote, so we have 25 people stand and and request a record vote. At that point in time, debate will end on that particular measure and it will move over to July 11th, and it will be put on a democracy, excuse me, a vote now, no, no, a, get, my right, get my right voting software here. It will go on a vote now um, uh, uh, ballot where it will be having, we'll have individual votes, and we will also have a roll call vote. For those the resolutions that go uh, require a record vote, they will, the voting will open up from 4 to uh, 8 p.m. Central Time. And then we will come on at 7 o'clock Central Time, remind everybody of the process, and then we will start the roll call affiliate vote. And then at the end of those two voting periods, a little after eight o'clock central time, our supervisor of elections and our parliamentarian will tally the votes. And after that, we will provide the results. While they're tallying the results, at the end of our session tomorrow, we will have the first reading of our constitution and bylaw amendments. Uh, those have been pre-recorded as well. And then on the 11th, after we do our vote on resolutions, which is strictly a vote, there's no debate on the 11th, with one exception, and I'll talk about that in a second. Then we will have debate and proposed amendments on our constitutional amendments and bylaw changes. I believe there's three of those. Uh, and so that is the time when we will debate those constitution and bylaw amendments. If any of those require a record vote, then the record vote on the Constitution and bylaw amendments will take place with a similar process on July 12th, on Tuesday. And then any resolutions that just require a record vote but no amendments, then those will be voted on on 
Wednesday the 13th. So we've got three potential days of voting that will take place after the convention, the 11th, 12th, and 13th. We don't know whether we'll have any voting on the 11th or 12th or 13th. It'll all depend what happens tomorrow. If we have no request for record votes, then we will have no need for voting on the 11th, but we would have our Constitution and bylaws discussion on the 11th, and then depend on what comes out of that. If there's any amendments to the amendments, then that vote would be on the 12th. Any, and then any final votes will be on the 13th. So we'll kind of walk you through this as it goes along. But uh, again, what we've tried to do is start that in the late afternoon so people can enjoy their time during the day, work uh, if they need to, and, and have time to do that um, business uh, in the evenings of the 11th, 12th, and 13th. So we will take our resolutions tomorrow in blocks of four, and then once we do a block of four, we'll have a presentation to kind of give everybody a chance to kind of, ah, you know, relax, take a deep breath, and then we'll come back. We will take a break midway through the morning, depending on how the timing moves along, and I'm Fairly confident, given that we've got 20 of these to go through, that we will take a break for lunch. We're not gonna to try to power through this and stay till three or four o'clock with no lunch break. We will take a formal lunch break at 12.30 uh, if we need to, then we'll come back together. We must stop by five o'clock because everybody's gotta get upstairs and get ready for our banquet. So any resolutions we do not get to by five o'clock and i'm hoping and keeping my fingers crossed that we get through them all if we can do it very efficiently but any resolutions we do not get through by five till five o'clock tomorrow will be handled on the um, 11th at 11 a.m central time so that's going to be the overflow if we do not get through any all our resolutions by tomorrow but I'm so hoping we'll kind of work through that. I may put a little challenge out there to some of our members who tend to like to provide their comment and input. Uh, we love you, we appreciate you. Please try to keep that as you can to a minimum of what you believe is absolutely necessary. And as, as the presiding officer, if I see we're maybe bringing up the same uh, arguments for a second and a third time. I will at that point in time maybe ask if the membership is ready for debate to end. So just some of those frameworks as we work through tomorrow. But I really appreciate all of your patience and I know we're going to get through this. And uh, thanks so much. And I'll turn it back over to David for final announcements and those famous door prizes. So David. Mr. President. Yes. Uh, this is Carl Rushville from Kentucky. Yes, Carla. Um, I'm just curious, uh, we've had several blocks of time this week, for example, the roll call times that weren't needed uh, yesterday and today, uh, and the nomination times that weren't needed yesterday and today, and I'm wondering why we couldn't have done some resolutions at those times. Typically, at past conventions, we have heard resolutions, one or two, each day earlier in the week. And I, I guess I'm just curious as to why we could not have done that this year as well. 
Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Carl. Uh, really, two reasons. Uh, one is we have, uh, I, I want to have, to, to ensure that all of our members uh, have equal and, and full opportunity to participate. So we have put in our agenda throughout the convention that the resolutions would take place on Thursday. And I know most of us yep, that are in the hall here are comfortable at moving things up a little bit. But for those that are participating remotely that may have challenges with their lives or their schedule or their work commitments or life commitments, many of them have set aside Thursday to make sure that they would be available to be able to actively and fully participate in our democratic process. Okay, so I did not Mr. want President. to. Hold Mr. on, President. I'm still answering that question. Okay. So I wanted to make but, sure that we did not disenfranchise anybody who had made the commitment to be here and vote uh, remotely as well as in person. Secondly, as you've seen through the process this week, it's been a little bit of a challenge to kind of keep all the different Zoom sessions synced up. And I really wanted to make sure from an AV standpoint that we had a clean environment that was just concentrating on resolutions so it would be efficient and we could move through it in a, uh, in a really uh, productive process. As you saw, what we did do was we took reports and activities that were scheduled for Thursday and we moved them into Tuesday and Wednesday to full up, fill up those slots and really allow Thursday to be concentrated almost 100% on resolutions. But Mr. President, just to follow up, if I could please. Yes. Um, I would submit to you that those reports uh, that were listed in the program at various times were also very important. Uh, for example, the Treasurer's Report, the Growth Report, Janet Dickelman's report, which is always of high interest to convention attendees and, con and members at home. And I would submit to you that people who are tuning in to those broadcasts expecting those reports at those times uh, are denied the opportunity to hear them as well. And so I think those are some things that we just need to think about as we move forward and make this process work better for the future. I, I right. appreciate those comments, Carla. I will just say, and we tried to do the best we can, I wanted to make sure, and truly the most, most important goal was to ensure the franchise of, that everybody yeah. had a full and equal right to participate in our, in our voting, in our democracy, in their right to vote. I, I do understand, and you know, there was no, there's no way we can know how many affiliate roll calls and candidate speeches will be required. That is part of the, the challenge for us. And so we knew that, you know, we were, as we said, each, each and every day, that we were going to have to be flexible and we felt like the end of the week things were going to have to adjust based on how the elections proceeded. So appreciate those comments and thank you for being a valued Mr. member. Mr. President. Norma Bogey. Then President. I recognize that. Ray Campbell. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ray. Yep. Um, I, yes. Um, so a number of us delegates have been here in person this week. Now next week we'll be on the affiliate roll call on Zoom. I assume we're going to get a link for that so that uh, 
We have that information um, that, that will be sent to us. Is that correct? One thousand percent. We we will have uh, a, you know a a Zoom room set up for the affiliate vote, most that certainly. Yes. Absolutely it'll, correct. Yeah, it absolutely it will. Correct. Yeah, that's that's Rick answering, and it'll be set up very similar to way we we have done our virtual uh, elections the last two years. Norma Bogey. Go ahead, Norma. Thank you, Mr. President. Are the resolutions available for us to read or listen to prior to us acting on them? Are they running on an ACB media channel? The resolutions are available uh, on podcast. If you go to acbmedia.org, the, there is a podcast that has all of the resolutions that will be discussed. Fantastic. Thank you so much. They, they also have been sent out to both the leadership and conversation lists as well. Mr. Each President. individual resolution. Mr. And President. I think some of the affiliates have even taken and I've noticed combined them and consolidated and then put them in some different formats for folks as well. Yes, go ahead. Uh, next person. Yes, uh, this is Michael Byington. Just to yes, clarify, Michael. the links that are going to be sent out uh, for voting will go both to the uh, delegate and the alternate, uh, correct? Uh, that. That's correct. Yeah, All right, yes, thank you. Just to yes. clarify. And if thank you, any, If there are any changes, those need to be reflected. Yes, what Rick is saying, you know, make sure, you know, whoever will be available from your affiliates to vote on the 11th, 12th, and 13th, please get that information to our ACB secretary, Denise Colley. Right now, she will use the list as it has been identified. So if you have any changes, please make sure that Denise has those uh, no later then Sunday afternoon so she can get we can make sure and get the links out uh, I'd even say if you can do it guys if you get could get it to her by the end of the day Saturday that would really give us Sunday to get those links out to everybody so they feel comfortable that they have their their invitation for the roll call vote okay any other questions mr. president yes who's it seeking this the floor? is Donna Seliger hi Donna uh, go ahead hi um, I have been sitting back there thinking there are a lot of people uh, attending this convention who are fairly young and uh, don't know who Grant Mack is, who uh, Floyd Coyles, uh, uh, D.K. McDaniel, the, and I think there should be somewhere a description of these uh, people, our, our forefathers, who made this convention possible. Okay, well that, I, I would see, please Donna, please take that suggestion to our archives committee, which is chaired by Chris Gray and David Trott. They're working to preserve the history of our organization. Thank and you, I, I would know really, them. really encourage you to get that information to them and they can work with our communications team and I think get those profiles put up on our acb.org website. Thank you. Any other questions before I turn it back over to David? Thank you all so much. Thank you for your input. And we look forward to an exciting day tomorrow. So here's David. Let's see, your first door prize winner was David Trott. Your, se your second door prize winner is Rhonda Trott. Okay. I I said all that to say this, you know, 
if I'm waiting on him to pull my name, he'll probably get to the hat size first. Uh, are you guys ready with the door prizes? Uh, first door prize is a $25 Amazon gift card uh, donated by the good folks at Nebraska. And our winner is from the great state of Iowa, Donald Worth. Donald Worth from the great state of Iowa. A $25 gift card from Amazon. Second door prize is a $25 Uber gift card. Uh, who doesn't need transportation? I guess I'd rather you wait. And from the great state of Illinois, the winner is uh, Mary Abramson. Mary Abramson. And that was donated from Nebraska as well. And then the third of four door prizes, so we got two more. Okay. We have a $25 gift card donated by the good folks from the Missouri Council from the great state of Oregon. Our winner is Jeffrey Anderson. Yay. All right. And then the fourth and final door prize of this day is a $25 Amazon gift card, and it's again donated from the, the great uh, folks from Nebraska. And by the way, I'd like to thank my host committee here of uh, Jim Urock and um, um, Lisa Johnson and Crystal Platt and uh, Tyler Uronic for, for all the work they've been doing. So. Um, the last door prize, again, $25 Amazon gift card is from the great state of California. And a uh, lucky, lucky winner is Ruth Ann Acosta. Ruth Ann Acosta, you are the $25 Amazon card winner. And we should have some more door prizes tomorrow, Mr. Chair. Thank you. All right. Now... Don't run off and leave because we got an uh, important announced person coming up with announcements now. Our convention coordinator, Janet Dickelman. Good morning, everybody. First of all, and I can't believe I did this, and I was going for some, from some very brief notes yesterday when I made my report. I neglected to mention a very, very important group and they correctly called me on it and they said, it wasn't a big deal, but you forgot us. And I said, yes, it is a big deal. The ACB Nebraska Host Committee. <laughs> so I apologize profusely and these guys did such a great job. They had weekly meetings. I met with them every month. They were so helpful and have worked so hard getting so many things done and they've done such a great job with door prizes and just being great ambassadors for Omaha and thank you. And I hope all of you enjoyed the Come Together Beatles Friday. Wasn't that fun? I didn't get to go, but I did walk past and hear the music and it sounded really good. All right, few announcements. Don't forget to 
drop off your information, stop by the information desk and let Vicki know so that she can contact Marjorie about your departure. She needs your name, your airline, the flight number, and the departure time of your flight. And then she'll work with the airport and she'll get arrange shuttle time for you. Um, inadvertently today, maybe it was corrected in the, second, in the sessions that were sent out, but the uh, Instagram session this afternoon is from 4 p.m. to 5.15 p.m., not till 12 a.m. Uh, someone asked me about it, and I said, no, it really isn't an eight-hour session, so I appreciate people, you know. So, 4 to 5, 15. Um, West Side Story this evening was not listed in the program, and I neglected to get information in the newspaper about that, but that is this evening at 8.30, and it is in CHI 213, and for those of you listening, via Zoom, that will also be on Zoom and is in your Zoom links that was sent out today. That will not be streamed on ACB Media, however. Uh, Comcast was here today. They're, they're here till one o'clock today in room 211. They will tomorrow be in room 215. So please make, and the convention center, please make sure you go down there and visit them because they are giving away a smart TV and the drawing for that will be at tomorrow night's banquet. So make sure you stop by and visit with them. And uh, that is all that I have at the moment. Thank you. Oh, a man's ball cap was found. An it's an army ball cap was found at the information desk. Thank you very much, Mr. Presiding Officer. All right, are there any other announcements? Hearing no more announcements, I declare us adjourned until tomorrow.